1: Today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Panko Chicken. The new Atlanta restaurant thrives off of a unique spin on Japanese and Western cuisine and is already racking up the awards, winning best-selling taste in the Taste of Atlanta Awards, both in 2017 and 2018. So... If you're in the metro Atlanta area and are wanting to try something new and good and delicious, go to Panko Chicken today and tell them that I sent you over. You'll be glad you did, I promise. Panko Chicken, where eats, meets, West. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. <laughs> um, My he- nephew needs me to record. See, I,
2: hate, I already hate it. I hate
1: it. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. I am now joined by one of my favorite MLB writers that I have followed for years. He's semi-retired. I'm bringing him back out. I I won't allow it. Um unfortunately, Randy.
0: No, I I appreciate it. I'm happy to be on with you.
1: Mhm. I'm glad we were able to do this tonight because um you know, I've talked to a lot of fan bases where you know, Giants fans getting ready for Just a really tough 10 years. Philly fans who had that great moment 10 years ago, and the rebuild obviously has not gone to plan. And now you got your title. Dayton Moore is locked in for the next 65 years in Kansas City. But the Royals look to uh, be in the early stages of a very tough, long rebuild. They already lost 100 games this past season, and uh, it's going to be tough. But you got your back-to-back World Series moments. I would never thought I would see that. In my lifetime, the Royals, uh, going back to back, that, that makes Series, two of them. Yeah, it's we we we've already moved on. That they just went back to back. The Kansas City Royals with Dayton Moore and that group, they did it. So you know, I mean, is that gonna hold you over for the next like ten to fifteen years? Well, you know what they say,
0: flags fly forever, and uh, we we got two of them. And I I honestly, I, I can truly say that going going into two thousand fourteen, and and then even in two thousand fifteen. Um, that I thought there was a very high probability I would live my entire lifetime as a Royals fan and never see them win a World Series. And even after 2014, when they lost Game 7 of the World Series uh, by you know a single run, uh, tying run at third base, uh, Alex Gordon, all the controversy about whether or not he should have tried to score. Um, and leaving the stadium that night, I I remember thinking that I may never get this close again. And so for them to come back the very next year and take care of unfinished business. Um, I, I think at least ten or fifteen years before I really would get upset. I mean, there's there's what we call the five year rule. Right? You really can't mm. you can't complain about anything your 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 team does for five years after winning uh, a World Series and other. I, I can't say I've I've hewed to that perfectly, but I, I definitely honor the sentiment. Um, even when Dayton Moore makes uh, moves that I don't agree with or, uh, you know, a trade blows up in their face, like the trade for uh, Trevor Cahill and uh, and Brandon Maurer and Ryan Buckner in the summer of 2017. Hey, he won
1: the Jorge Solar trade, though. Who could have um, seen that coming?
0: Well, uh, the, the jury is still out on that. Um, okay. It certainly looks a lot better than it a year ago. I mean, you could make the argument, given that the Royals missed the playoffs by five games, uh, just five games in 2016, Given yep. how much they missed Wade Davis, um, because not only did they not have Wade Davis, but Calvin Herrera was not 100% healthy that year, and it just had a cascading mm-hmm. effect on the bullpen. Plus, Jorge Solera was so bad he was actually below replacement level in his first year at the mm. Royals. Um, you could make an argument that a huge chunk of that five games could be accounted for with just that trade. But again, I'm not, I, I say that just matter of factly. Really. There's no real anger or bitterness in my voice when I describe that. Unlike uh, you know pretty much every bad trade uh, the Royals made from basically 1995 until 2013. I mean my <laughs> attitude is much more um, just chill. I guess that's the best yeah. way I describe it. You know it's like you know it'd be nice to win, but you know there I've, I've seen so many teams who've had so much more regular season success have been to the playoffs so many more times. And have not come away, uh, you know, with with a championship. I mean, just look in the division itself. The Twins won the division, what six? Uh, the American League Central six times in nine years. Won one playoff series. Um, oh, had won like a six and yeah. twenty four record against the Yankees. Joe Mauer played in ten postseason games and didn't win a single one of them. Uh, I Mike mean, Trout
1: may never actually win a postseason game. That's well, there's, <laughs> there's that too. But even but the point, even if they you know
0: make the playoffs, then you still don't advance to the World Series. So Tigers. You know, going to two World Series uh, and losing both, and honestly, their their uh, ALCS loss to the Red Sox in 2013 might have been more painful um, than either of their World Series losses. When you look mm. back at the way that series um, fell and how how they, how much they outplayed the Red Sox and they lost um, when they when when David Ortiz hit that uh, grand slam uh, in yeah. Game Two. As a Tiger fan, I, I, the, you've had you've enjoyed so much more success over the last 15 years than, a, than a Royal fans in terms of just wins and losses and even playoff and yet never come away with a ring. The Indians obviously falling, uh, you know, falling just short, uh, in game seven, in 2016, just like they did back in 1997, that, that they haven't won yeah. in 70 years. So I, I, I consider myself extremely fortunate that what little, what little playoff, uh, you know, what little I guess regular season success they have capitalized into playoff success, unlike any franchise in baseball, with the exception of maybe of the Marlins, who have um, been to the playoffs twice and won World Series. They've, the Florida, Mar- the Miami Marlins have never lost a playoff series. But
1: um, it's amazing. But they're, but I hope they're that also. That streak continues for the rest of my life. Yeah. <laughs> like...
0: Well, I wouldn't mind if that streak continues because they don't make the playoffs for a while. Yeah, um, that'd be perfect. Uh, that's the difference is um... that the Marlins are still kind of a joke of a franchise
1: the world's worst. hey they just changed their uniforms they got rid of the uh they the got rid of the uh, abomination
0: that's not an abomination an abomination pl- an abomination plus time equals mm. character and i think that there the you culture, go right as, as, abominab- as abominable as it was it at least was different and unique and mm-hmm. i looked forward to seeing that whenever i made it to the stadium down there in miami and now now it's a, like every other ballpark except the team that plays there isn't very good
1: Well, hold on. There's nothing more ordinary ballpark-wise than uh, SunTrust Park, the Braves' new stadium, which, look, it's a better experience, I think, as a fan. But, oh, my God, it is the most generic baseball field I have, like, professional especially, I've ever been in. Like, how there's Camden Yards, Fenway Park, parks like that, and then you have SunTrust Park, It, it just i i seeing the renders for the new oakland a's if that ever gets built or the tampa bay stuff like seeing the renders for all of those stadiums and then just figuring out like what sun trust park did and oh my god but i i I really do at least
0: you have to give them credit for not shaking down a suburban uh a a suburban government for millions of dollars in subsidies. that that yeah uh, average uh uh, resident of that community had no interest in spending and had no say in and was done completely behind closed doors. Oh wait. Yeah. Oh, they did yeah. that too. So um, yeah, uh, Great stuff all there, around. Are, there are several, there are many com- contenders for the uh, argument of what is the, the worst ballpark situation uh, in baseball, but that was a massive, massive missed opportunity in Atlanta. If you're going to build a stadium, at least do something um, that's unique for more than just the parking problems.
1: Yeah. If you're yep. going to swindle a city, make sure it's worthwhile. Exactly, I think. The, I think. The, yeah. <laughs> I mean,
0: Miami—that's what that, that's what the Marlins did basically. I mean, yeah, they—you know the oh massive, God. massive economic boondoggle, Miami. The ballpark is supposed supposed to be quite pretty, but of course, the sculpture they took away. Now it's like, well, it's a pretty park, but there are a lot of pretty parks in baseball, so none of yeah. none of them have a sculpture anymore.
1: No, um, I, uh, yeah. It's it's not great. Um, are you confident in? The Royals rebuild. Do you think uh, Dayton Moore is on track to lead a successful rebuild in Kansas City? Because you know the AL Central. Uh, I think you're pretty familiar with this, man. The, it's not good. It's a really <laughs> bad division. And it turns out uh, the Cleveland Indians, and I mean we'll talk about them in a second, but this is a winnable division. Like even though they went like what 158 uh, and like 104, I want to say this past right. year or whatever it was. Like they're. <sighs> The Royals, it's just so weird because it's hard for me to like forecast what the AL Central is going to look like three years from now because the Twins, who knows, um, it always feels like they're right on the cusp and they're not going to get there. The Tigers overachieved a little bit to start this past season and they fell off a cliff. And the White Sox rebuilds going kind of like the Phillies rebuild where it's like uh, they should be ready, but a lot of these top prospects are not really paying out and uh, uh-oh, what do we do here? Um, and then you obviously have the Indians who just, as long as they have... Uh, Jose Ramirez and Francisco Lindor and some of the stars they do have unless they sell all of all those guys this offseason. Um, they're going to be at the top of the division, but it just seems like there is an opening, but then again do I really trust Dayton Moore to lead this uh, rebuild? Does it really feel like there's a possibility the Royals could stumble into pseudo playoff contention in 2 to 3 years. Where are you at with this rebuild and before anything else, thank you so much for keeping Dayton Moore in Kansas City so the Braves could get Alex Anthopoulos. Thank you for <laughs> ensuring that uh he did not come back to his roots and that he's a big fan of his hometown. So that's good. Thank you for that. You know,
0: you know you're you're welcome and it's, it's interesting because you're happy you didn't get him but I am actually I was actually quite worried that we would lose him because Dayton, Dayton Moore is certainly one of the more polarizing general managers in in all of baseball. Um and there are certain things he doesn't do well, but there are certain things he does incredibly well. And you know he engenders a tremendous amount of loyalty from his staff. I mean, the amount of turnover that the Royals have had over the last ten years is really small. When you, especially when you consider they won a World Series and they went back to back pennants, yeah. and yet they lost almost nobody. I mean, it's easy to say, well, of course they didn't lose anybody. Nobody would want their employees, but that's not really the case when you know you win the way they did. Um, and also the fact that. There's always value in, in in sport in zigging when everyone else is zagging, right? The, the whole idea of uh, market inefficiencies and tapping into mm-hmm. it. And, you know, we are reaching a, a sort of equilibrium in baseball where basically every single team is run according to analytical principles, which is something I, I as somebody who's been doing this, you know, since we started Baseball Perspectives in 1996 is just, it's mind blowing when I, when I look at it with some perspective, but you know, and, and you see that continue. I mean, the, the giants just, har- just hired Farhan Zaidi to be, to run the show there. And um, um, I'm trying to think there was oh, the, the, uh, the Orioles, right. And in Michael mm-hmm. um, from the
1: 32 year old. Right. Obviously
0: yeah. yeah, you have another, another, you know, Farhan for Zaidi traces his, his roots back to the ACE through the Dodgers, right. Elias from the Astros, like, you know, you have essentially a half dozen, Very progressive organizations, the most Mm -hmm. progressive organization from 10 years ago, you know, the A's, the the Red Sox, the, um, the Rays, uh, and I guess the the Astros kind of came on, um, on a separate track later, but like, you know, something like half the teams in baseball can, can have, can trace their roots to this very, um, very analytical, um, almost, almost ruthless, but in a good way approach to, looking at baseball players as assets and looking at the construction of a baseball roster as almost like portfolio management. Uh, you know, this is, this is a business we're running and how do we get the, the greatest return on our investment? This is, you know, the way we do it. And, in, in, in that's not that paying
1: in, Mike Moustakis. I think that's rule number one. Well,
0: well, unfortunately, uh, you know, for the players, this, this approach is completely, um, you know, impacted the free agent market in ways yeah. that the major league And it's not getting better. Teams
1: have learned. They know they right. can get away with this. Like, they're, well, we were they're not going to go backwards. Yeah, you know, we
0: were saying a Baseball Perspectives 10, 15 years ago that we are, from, on, a, on, a, on a purely, you know, uh, ethical, uh, legal perspective, I would say most of us, um, well, if not all of us who are at Baseball Perspectives, had a very pro-player perspective in the sense that... Right. You know the the idea so much so much of the um, resentment that the average fan might have towards players making millions of dollars really just betrays a, a misunderstanding of economics. So this idea that yeah. oh the reason why ticket prices are so high is the owners are playing players so much that that violates literally rule the, the first rule of economics. I mean, people oh, people absolutely God. think that. I'd like to think fewer than they, they they used to, but you know the first rule of economics is supply and demand, and yeah. the idea that oh we just you know, if the players didn't make so much money, I'd pay less for this for this, you know, hot dog is ridiculous. So what would happen is that yeah. money would go into the pocket of the owner. So this in a, in a battle between millionaires and billionaires. Um I'm I'm gonna side with the, the millionaires who are the actual laborer there are on tons the field. Of
1: thousandaires, And we know what's going on in the minor league system and we know what's going on with the the vets who basically it feels like Pension plans getting cut when you see the Mike Mustaka stuff, where it's just like they build their whole life for this. They're finally ready to cash right. in. These are the
0: these are They're, the very yeah. best. Is this idea? of oh, the average or the or the minimum salary is you know whatever five hundred, a little over five hundred thousand. That's the minimum salary for a major league baseball player. So, right. You know there are over two thousand professional baseball players. So the point is mm-hmm. is that you know eighty percent of professional baseball players not only are not making five hundred, but with the exception of a, some guys on the on a, on the forty man roster. A lot of those guys are making fifteen, twenty thousand a year. Um, yep. So my point is, you know, from an ethical legal perspective, I'm very pro-player, and yet we were saying 10, 15 years ago that a game run according to analytic principles, the ones that we were espousing, would be actually a very, uh, would not be a good outcome for the players because so much yep. of the, you know, the rise in salaries and, and some of the most outrageous contracts were basically because teams were, were, were signing players based on emotion. Um, mm-hmm. and instead of hold hard analysis, you are paying players for what they were, what, what they've done in the past, instead of what they're, they're going to do in the future. Um, and so you, you mentioned like Moustakis and that, that's an, a great example of that is that the market just kind of fell out from under him. And, and if it's true that he did, uh, I don't know for sure if this is true, but the rumors that, you know, that he had a three-year deal, uh, offered to him, uh, early in, in free agency last winter by the angels and turned it down. And then they went out and signed, um, Oh gosh, uh his name escapes me now. Uh Cozart, Um mm-hmm. instead and you know the the market that Muskus and and his his agent a guy named Scott Boris you know were anticipating never materialized. I mean it's a sign of just how quickly things are changing that you know even Scott Boris yeah. did not see this coming. Um so there so uh, there, there is that. I think we got we got sidetracked like eight times in this conversation already. Which, are, which is no. Great. This is it's good. Best, that's what the, the podcast is, man. That's what a well, good
1: that's... podcast is. We get sidetracked and we yeah, we that's... stumble into more interesting stuff. You never know where it goes on this podcast. Yeah,
0: that's that's, that's good. That's a compliment. I mean, when I when I you know my my podcast days, me and, and Joshi, and we had a baseball show
1: uh, with mm-hmm. Ray and Joe. That we, we retired it about five
0: years ago. But that's we basically had three topics to start with, and we'd end up with two hours anyway. Um, but yep. get back to the point of the Royals. The 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 single. Greatest structural asset, I think the Royals have, um, by far, is simply the division they play in. And yes. by that, I mean yes, the AL Central is bad now, but the AL C- Central structurally is designed this way, in a way that, as a Royals fan, I'm very grateful for because the Royals obviously have <laughs> are one of the smallest markets in the game, and yeah. while you know, and, and while they have maintained fairly high payrolls uh, in in recent years this is, this is not an organization. I think, I think it's fairly can be said that they probably cannot afford a payroll of over 150, certainly 200 million a year. Um, but they're in a division in which really none of the teams can do that. I mean, every other division in baseball has one, one team that plays in a market that has a market share that should allow them to be you know, so, you're believing major, that the White major Sox market.
1: going cheap is fine. Right, well, 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 my it, point is, is that uh, the White Sox are the, you
0: look at the five markets here, right? You've got Cleveland, yeah. Detroit, Minneapolis, Kansas City, and the second team in Chicago, right? The White Sox certainly right. have the largest market, but they have half that market. And the reality is, you know, having lived here for 15 years, and you know, even here in 2005 when the White Sox won it all, it barely moved the needle in terms of fandom. Uh, you yeah. know, they, they didn't grab a lot of market share from the Cubs. Some of that is just a, a you know, I hate to say that kind of an economic argument because the White Sox play on the South side, the poor side of town, less trendy, mm-hmm. you know, the Cubs can, could, you know, well, part of the reason why the Cubs were so bad for so long is because they make tons of money being bad because yeah. they're in Wrigleyville and it's a really hip neighborhood. And it's a great place for young single people with lots of money to go and, and spend an afternoon on a Thursday at the ballpark, getting, you know, getting drunk. Um, yeah. And, and so that is makes problem still
1: there. Yeah. Where it's I mean, like, it, it literally doesn't matter. James Dolan's going to make a fortune regardless right. of whether or not the right. Knicks are well run and right. do anything. It, it doesn't matter.
0: That, it's that's a great what, investment. That's what hurt them for 80 years. And that's why, you know, when the, when, when they hired, you know, Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer, it was such a revelation because it was like, wow, they're going to actually take, they've been a sleeping giant for, for so long. I remember when the, when the Brewers switched leagues back in, God, 90,
1: that feels like 98.
0: Was that when the Rays yeah. joined? I think it might have been when the Rays joined. But I mean, there was a, the, the Royals apparently had the um had the opportunity. They could have been that team. Uh mm-hmm. ownership at that time. And they, they, they you know, the owner ownership said they saw the team, they always had the team had a lot of American League tradition, they didn't want to give that up. But C yeah. uh, you know, who was owner of the Brewers and also commissioner kind of took one for the team in a sense and, and switched league. And there's a lot of resentment in Kansas City because, you know, the Cardinals are in the National League. Yeah. Um, and you know, we, we have a rivalry with them, even though we don't play in the same league. And also, you know, for so many years, such when the Yankees and Red Sox were at their most dominant, you know, up until this year, the American league was the better league and in, in interleague play every year for something like 14 or 15 years. And uh, I heard an argument from a lot of fans, geez, if we'd been in the national league, you know, we, we'd be doing so much better. And my feeling all along was if we were in the national league central, the Cubs are the sleeping giant of that division. If they ever get their act mm-hmm. together and try to win. They can bring financial resources down, which make it very, very difficult for the rest of of that division. I'm happy to stay in the in the division where the team with the greatest financial resources is the White Sox, which you know yes they they could they 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 have more resources at their disposal than the Royals, but mm-hmm. not a lot more and you know yeah. when you look at Cleveland, just Cleveland from a from a geographic population perspective, the population of Cleveland is going down. The population of, you know, Detroit has gone down. Minneapolis, I'm not sure, probably gone up slightly, but none of the markets are, you know, if, if they were in the American League West, they'd be dealing with Los Angeles and Houston and Dallas, right? They're in the, the, the East, you know, New York and Washington, D.C., Philadelphia. I mean, it's just, they, they are, by by dint of geography, in the one division which allows them to be, you know, competitive on a, on a payroll basis without the other teams in the division. So I think yeah. from that perspective, like what you're saying is that, you know, they have an opportunity here. I agree with you. And some of that is because like, you know, the White Sox rebuild kind of hit a hiccup, the twins rebuild has kind of hit a hiccup. Um, and the Tigers are just sort of starting theirs, which is why the unions have this division to themselves for the moment. But the other part of it, I think is, is not a, just a short term. Um, this is happens to be where we are in 2018. I think it's a long term phenomenon where, There's no reason why the Royals could not be a perennial contender in the American League Central, whereas I'm not sure I could say that in in any other division. So, um, so yeah, is Dayton Moore? Do I do I faith in Dayton Moore? It's a really good question. I think I think I do. Um, Okay, in part because, like I said, he his style. Where where, this is where we got sidetracked is almost every team in baseball has such an analytic approach. The Dayton Moore's His, uh, you know, what he is known for is less analytics. Not that the world's anti analytics, but they're certainly not at the cutting edge of that.
1: But he's in that Brian Sabian mode where it's like, I think his perception for most fans are like, oh, this is like the, they're the anti analytical team. Like that's kind of, yeah, the perspective. And they're not anti
0: analytical, but they're, they're not pro, they're not certainly at the forefront. Um, But
1: they are pro playing, paying and also playing Alex Gordon in 2018, which pretty anti analytical to me.
0: Well, but uh, let's not forget, you know, (laughs) that Alex Gordon, when when Alex Gordon was Alex Gordon, was an analytical superstar, you
1: know, a guy who
0: was massively underrated by by traditional metrics, in part because of his defense. And, you know, you look at those 2014-2015 Royals had maybe the greatest outfield defense of any team this century i mean there was a lot of analytics that
1: we could not see maybe it was jerry poto's beautiful like creation that he wished would come to life in seattle like that's what he looks at i think that's all he watches is 2014 2015 literally
0: true because what do they do the Mariners traded for gerard dyson
1: exactly right so i just love there's another GM in the league just like you know what i want to be I want to be those Royals from a couple well, of years ago. How do we well, do that? Well, that
0: defense. I mean, and, and that's I don't I I don't know to this day how much of that was planned and how much of that was just happenstance. So much of the Royals' mm-hmm. success, and the fact that they went twenty-two and nine in the playoffs, and, you know, came came one swing away from winning back-to-back championships. I don't know how much of that was. They just got obscenely lucky, twice being uh, six outs away from being eliminated. Um Four runs, you know, four runs down in the eighth inning in the wild card game, and then a year later, four runs down in game four of the ALDS. They lose those games. You're literally looking at a team that won one playoff game uh, in two years. Had they lost yeah. the wild card game, had they lost game four of the ALDS against the Astros? But that's why um, I love
1: baseball. Is you, right. You never know, yeah. and crazy that's stuff like that happens. But was that was
0: that pure luck? Was there something about uh, the character of that team being so close knit that they did something literally unprecedented? And then did it twice in span of, of just over a year. Um, the fact that the Royals were the 2015 Royals may have been the greatest contact hitting team of all time. Relative to the league, their mm-hmm. strength rate right? was the lowest uh, of any team in something like 70 years. And I mean, the, the story of them in the playoffs was just basically never, you know, always making contact in key situations and having the ball bounce the right way or somebody making a key error. Whether it was Carlos Correa in that in that eighth inning. Um, missing a, a double play ball, or Daniel Murphy in the World Series, um, just kind of letting a uh, Eric Hosmer's dribbler go under his glove, and then the minute they a mistake like that happened, the Royals pounced. I don't know how much of that was just luck, and how much of it was we are building a team. We don't have the money to go out and, and hit 200 home runs and, and get guys who can do that, so we're just going to build a team with insane defense and uh, tremendous contact. Bat it till we die. Well, it comes down to it. they were doing something that no other team was doing, and if that mm-hmm. is a deliberate approach, I like the fact that Dayton Moore is unlike most every other GM in baseball in the sense that if if every other team is looking for a specific type of player, a specific type of philosophy, and he is trying something else, he's going to have a lot more success finding the players that fit his strategy when everyone else is looking for other guys. Um, yeah. So it, I don't know. So much of it is going to be. Um, determined by uh, the draft, both this past year's draft and next year's draft, uh, when they have the number two, number two overall pick. I mean, the problem with the Royals last, this past season wasn't just because they lost 100 games, but that um, they also have been going into the season with one of the two or three worst farm systems in baseball. But they did have five of the first 50 picks in the draft. They took college pitchers with all five of those uh, picks.
1: Yeah. Is a very high There's risk a piece on Fangraphs about this, where it's like, that's like Dayton Moore's thing, is yeah. he loves going down that road. He loves the college pitchers.
0: Well, I, you know, the problem is the Royals had tried high school pitchers uh, in the draft the last five, six years, which is one of the reasons why yeah. their farm system was the worst, one of the worst in baseball. It didn't work they out; really failed, and so they they had to try something a little different. Um, and I, it's high risk, high reward. So there's so much comes down yeah. to the talent. They they got some very interesting guys: Brady Singer, their first pick, Jackson Cower, and then their third pick, Daniel Lynch, was maybe their best pitcher in their farm system uh, after he signed. So there, there's certainly reason for optimism, but this is a, definitely a two or three, if not four-year process, um, and I don't know if it will work. But the the, the magic of the 2014-2015 Royals is I'm I'm willing to be patient and see what happens. I'm not um, I'm not shouting from the rooftops every time Dayton Moore does something I don't agree with because he he took us there. He took us to the mountaintop once. Um, I'm I'm prepared to give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt at least for now. And, and once that five-year uh, that those five years are up. That five-year rule expires in two years, and they're st- if they're still losing 95 games, um, I might start getting a little more vocal. Right now, I'm just enjoying the ride.
1: Thirty seconds on is Whit Merrifield. Is he a superstar? What is he? I can't superstar? decide what he is.
0: That might be an overbit. Is he an all? Is he is, yeah. should he be a, an all-star? Yes. I, Perennially. The weirdest thing. I, I didn't see this coming. I, I never would have thought when he was in the minor leagues he was going to be even an everyday player in the majors. But I'll mm-hmm. tell you, the minute he, he, he made it to the major league, watching this guy, even before his numbers showed himself to be a star, you'd watch him. And I'm not a scout, but I would watch him. Be like, I don't, I don't, I don't see the guy who was such an underwhelming minor league player for so many
1: years. It's it was the Jose Ramirez guy. thing, right? where it's well, like except, this guy when you... he's 27 when he made it to the majors that's what right right, right. but i'm saying it. just like those minors guys where you're like this the, how did like how did this happen how did they just pop out of nowhere like it didn't look like this was going to work he's well, Jose, totally
0: Jose Ramirez though was like 20 when he made it to the majors and i think i think to, even now yeah. people still don't appreciate just how important age is when you're evaluating a player's worth. Yeah, he was literally yeah. 20, I guess he made his debut Yeah, He was still 20 years old and he made the majors. And if you can be even just a eh, mediocre guy in the high minors when you're 20 years old, there's a chance you're going to be a star. I mean, that's basically Adalbert Mondesi, what we're talking about. Yeah. He yeah. was a top prospect even though until, until the last year or so, his minor league numbers were underwhelming because he was in like A when he was 19. And sure enough, mm. seeing that with Adalbert Mondesi, who was really the most uh, pleasant development as a Royals fan this year because there was a lot of concern: would he get a lot of talent, but would he actually ever hit them in the major leagues? And then, from the All-Star break on, out of was—I mean, he was as as, as good a, a power-speed guy as anything in baseball. I mean, he had uh, just in September, he had eight home runs and stole fourteen bases, which was ridiculous. But Whit Merrifield was twenty-seven before he made it to the majors. For somebody that old to be, um, to, to, before they even reach the major leagues, to turn into a star is.
2: Extremely
0: rare. Um, I, I did some research on this in an article I wrote for the Athletic this summer, um, and really there hasn't been a guy quite like him. Davey Wilkes, who is, is okay. as a little more as a coach now, but came up with the Dodgers in Um and was 27 years old, and kind of a very similar player to what Merrifield, a second baseman who could play the outfield, a lot of speed, led the league and, and, and steals two years in a row, just like Merrifield has now. Um, and the thing was, you know. The thing with Davy Lopes is, having taken so long to get to the majors, uh, you know, he he clearly had the work ethic that he wanted. He was going to stick around as long as he could. And he ended up playing in the majors until he was 42, and actually had a hell of a career. So and that's And I look at what Merrifield that the, the comparison to Davy Lopes makes me think. You know, it's it's hard to believe that a guy who was in the minors until he was 27 could be this good at 29, lead the league in hits, leave the league in steals again, or five and a half WAR. Um, and yet, there's a good reason to think that he could be this good or close to this Maybe 2018 was his high point, but I think he would be a very good everyday player, a, a super utility guy who can play second base, play center field for at least the next three or four years.
1: So, it's good news for Ian Kennedy at 33 years old. He can still turn around. Old Hell <laughs> Out Hope. But, I'll never give up on Ian Kennedy. Now. Man, he was one of my favorites a couple of years ago. He's not Zach Grinke, who's my favorite pitcher of all time. And I like his Royals days and the rumors of the Jeff Francois for Zach Grinke trade will always warm my heart. The big what if. Uh, Zach Grinke for Jeff Francor But I trade. don't think those were ever released. I get to, to break the heart of everybody. Please don't it's do this.
0: I, I've well, heard that before, well, and I refuse to believe the that. Off, yeah. It never was meant to be, then to think that they could have it because they didn't.
1: I don't know. He ended up in Kansas City anyway. Did, but Zach Grinke has still not ended up in uh, Atlanta. Still waiting on that. Maybe this offseason, maybe that's it. Alex Anthopoulos still looking for a starting pitcher and the Diamondbacks Br- are contending Br- and are Br- like nah. to be on the market. Yeah. I'm ready. Whatever it takes, Liberty Media. Time Never to open up those checkbooks from drink. Yeah. Oh a my a God. Uh, first day. Zach Greenkey at Braves away jersey. I, I'm buying it. Like I've been waiting for this moment for a decade. And that's not a joke. This is something I talked about in high school, was, man, how awesome would it be if the best ace in baseball got traded to the Braves for Jeff Francoeur? How great would that be?
0: <laughs> Sorry, One of them I'm is afraid, still I'm playing baseball. the offer of Lorenzo Cain and Alcides Escobar and Jake Cotarizzi and Jeremy Jeffers would <laughs> have be slightly better than
1: Jeff Francoeur alone. I don't think so. Can't rule it out. Can't rule it out, man. I I don't know. jury's still out, just like the Jorge Soler trade. Just, well to, we br- to bring
0: it back to where we started, flags fly forever and th- and that that's trade brought the Royals a flag
1: and uh, that's true. so Braves nothing believer. so yeah. um yeah, uh, sure. Randy, I'll give you this because you're in for a rough next couple years and the Braves are about to deal with Bryce Harper and Manny Machado on the same team um, for the next couple years. So they have that to look forward to.
0: Well, if they're both in Philadelphia, you mean sure.
1: yeah, that's what I mean like Philadelphia oh, okay. like their owner literally said, I want to spend stupid money. That's happening. Like what they're winning the Bryce Harper sweepstakes. Just go ahead and pencil that in. Like whatever it twelve years, three billion dollars, that's what's happening. Bryce Harper is gonna be a Philly, because I don't think anyone's gonna match an owner who just is openly like, I'm ready to spend stupid money. Like that's he's gonna do some stuff. You got Andy, you got McPhail in there, you got a bunch of guys who are ready to spend. Their rebuild has not gone well. They're ready to go full Ruben Amaro. Like it's it's coming. Like they're Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, who a lot of ex-Baltimore guys in that front office. There was already rumors when he got traded to the Dodgers beforehand that the Phillies were strong suitors. And then you had the post, like, I think it was Jason Stark and The Athletic this week already writing about Mike Trout, who's a C- Eagles season ticket holder. Like, he's just the, whether or not it will ever happen, him and Bryce Harper are playing the same team together. And I also didn't realize they debuted it the exact same day. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. Was- yeah, forgot about that. Yeah, I don't know. Phillies are coming. That's all I'm saying. Braves fans who are really cocky right now about how the season went, I would just say maybe pump the brakes because they're not going to spend like Philadelphia. That's coming. Philadelphia is a sleeping giant, just like you thought the Cubs were a sleeping giant for years and years. The Phillies are coming, and I just I think it was funny the way their season ended and it unfolding the way it did. But that team is not going away, and they're going to outspend the Braves by a insane amount of money. So we'll see. I mean, spending it turns out is really nice. Boston, New York, I don't think they regret uh, spending a lot of money on their team. So,
0: so it's a it's good t- strategy, so in my opinion. So it's talent development, and your Braves have that going. So.
1: Right, right. All right, Randy, I've taken way too much of your time, but this has been great. I really do appreciate you taking the time tonight, sir. Um, is there anything you need to plug before we get out of here? Um,
0: nothing currently. I, I do write for The Athletic uh, from time to time about the Royals, and I do write for The Ringer from time to time about other baseball and non-baseball topics. And you okay, can just follow me we'll on go- Twitter. Uh, it's probably the best place to find me on Twitter at Jazerly. Uh, that's J A Z A Y E R L I.
1: Yes. Do that and bring back the podcast. It's time for you and Joe to come back. It's been five years. Just like uh, you said, there's a five year You, You, you and a training. thousand
0: other people have asked me that. And, uh, you I, and I never Keith say Wall. never. I never say never. I'm what a little is busy with my, uh, with my medical practice, but uh, okay. I never say never.
1: All right, well, if you need a producer, you know where to find him. So, I Randy, it. I appreciate it, and uh, let's talk in soon. All right, take care. Thanks, Randy. All right, you bet. All right, we're back on the Chase Almost Podcast, and I am now joined by longtime friend of the pod, Nick Picone. Nick, good evening, how are you?
2: I'm doing good, man. Uh, pr- excited to be back on it's been yep. a while
1: it has been a little bit Vaughn and I it's just, we're all getting busier man it's, it's yeah. really hard hey, to make things work these I days. got
2: you yep. being an Absolutely. adult
1: not a fan not no a fan. me
2: neither me neither Um,
1: uh, but anyway you know what else I'm not a fan of Nick oh would you like to guess what I'm not a fan of uh,
2: a lot in wrestling Monday Night Raw <laughs> oh well hey you're not alone dude uh, you know, I, I was high coming off that pay per view. I thought Survivor Series was really good for what it was and what it was supposed to be. Um, this past week might have been one of the all time worst episodes of Raw I've ever seen.
1: Baron Corbin had a main event match against Finn Balor. We've seen that at least how many times? How many times have they been feuding? How many pay per view matches have they had, like pre show and I think everything?
2: Like, I think the official number is 237.
1: That sounds right. Um, nice. Uh I I don't even know where to start because this whole show just annoyed me to know it. No Jose, no who's just been away for months, decided to come back. Mm-hmm. I, and then Jinder <sighs> Mahal was involved on this show again. We had a Mix Max challenge promo basically between Ember Moon and Alicia Fox and Kurt mm-hmm. Hawkins and Jinder Mahal. We had uh Drake Maverick uh ping on Bobby Rood's rope. <laughs> Um, great comedy there. Uh, nice PG. Yeah. Reach <laughs> a house party, operating as heels, um, and just getting a three-on-two advantage against the Revival, and the Revival are the heels, and Baron Corbin being okay with all of this. Uh, Drew McIntyre, <laughs> officially like the most confusing, generic heel character in the company right now, outside of Dean Ambrose, who went full you people, and is just... Um, mm-hmm. spiraling uh, with his injections and whatever else he's getting at the doctor office. Um, and then you read, you're not going to believe this. Vince McMahon had a strong hand in this week's episode of Monday Night Raw. I <laughs> love seeing that. Or it's just like, oh, duh. Why would I have ever thought? Yeah. It's like, it's, it's almost like
2: maybe I missed something, but maybe there was just something I missed from that episode that it's like, maybe it was just one of those weeks that it just didn't click for me personally. But nope, you know, (laughs) once you hear Vince had a strong hand in it, then you absolutely understand that it's not just me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it was just not good. And Raw is, uh, no matter what, like, you have to lower your expectations, no matter what, a Mm -hmm. little bit with Raw forever, because it's hard to make a three-hour wrestling show good. It's just extremely difficult, even with how much talent they have. In the company right now, it's just very difficult to make a compelling three-hour wrestling show. Like, it's just a very difficult thing. And that's what makes SmackDown feel fresh all the time is that you may see Shelton Benjamin one week and then not see him again for a month and a half. Andrade Cianamas, who knows? Like, you just never know who's going to be there week to week, which adds intrigue. But Raw is not like that at all because there's absolutely no intrigue because they do the same thing over and over again they even hype up uh surprise uh participants in a open challenge and have it turn out to be Dolph Ziggler <laughs> just what I, I don't understand it almost felt like a rib at the fans like oh um not only are we going to put together a show that has Kurt Hawkins Jinder Mahal and Drake Maverick peeing on robes no we're going to take it another level with his trolling. Vince McMahon was like, you know what I'm going to do? What if we put Dolph Ziggler versus Seth Rollins on TV again? What if we did that? And you know what? Finn Balor, Baron Corbin, let's do it one more time. I think the fans want it. Let's do it again. Why not? Let's see what happens. Maybe this is the one that really just tears the house down. Love to see Baron Corbin versus Finn Balor. Love this. Yeah. <sighs>
2: I don't get it, man. I it it's really frustrating knowing that they have the ability to put on good shows, good three hour shows. Nonetheless, you know we've seen some good raws uh, this year. Uh, I I don't I just don't understand why it's so hard for and I guess because it's Vince McMahon's, you know, like oversight and like that he needs to be in control of everything that. You know, maybe they had a really good show mapped out and Vince completely like washed it away and then did did his thing. Like, I, I don't understand how it's like they're regressing so badly. Like, and it wasn't just me. Like, I barely was able to hold my attention to the TV. There were times where I wasn't even paying attention. I was just listening. And uh, you mentioned the Lucha House Party revival thing uh, you know, that was on in the background when I was kind of working at my desk and I heard Corey Graves on commentary, say something like, uh, you know, why would Baron Corbin okay this or something like that? Like, cause all three members of Lucha house party were, you know, allowed to be involved in a match. And it's like, but that's not a face thing to do. And, no. you know, it, it made no sense. And then Baron Corbin is your heel GM figurehead. And, you know, Corey Graves just like, uh, he
1: Renee Young put out about there. Alexa Bliss getting a position of authority while also being an active competitor, without realizing that the general manager elect, which again the company doesn't <laughs> yeah. know what the word elect means, so that's know, cool. not at all. They um, don't is competing in the main event on that same show. <laughs> yeah. Has been competing yeah. every week, it feels like. But yeah, yeah. sure, make that point. I just. Everything about this show, like if I didn't take notes, and there are people that watch this show live, and I would love to interview them and talk to them about like what's going on, like how you do this. I, I don't, I just yeah. can't fathom it. I watch it in the morning, um, and just go through what I have to go through. But if I didn't take notes, I don't think I'd be able to get through this. But some of the commentary notes where it's like, oh my god, what are we doing? Like, <laughs> ha- what am I doing right now? Like, ha- right. what? Yeah, I I
2: got a buddy that, you know, watches it on Wednesday or Thursday, and he'll text me and just be like, what the hell is this? And why did this happen? And he's generally pretty knowledgeable about, uh, you know, what happened. Not maybe not exactly what happens behind the scenes, but he knows how things work. Mm -hmm. You know, like we kind of talk, you know, uh, week to week about uh, WWE mostly because he doesn't really watch any other wrestling. But he's like, what the hell? Like that? Who cares about Baron Corbin? You know, like, you know, the whole general manager elect thing, like that's a little detail that just it it's just like a punch to the gut because you want to like what you're watching and episodes like this past week on Raw just kind of make me it made me step back and be like, what the hell am I doing? You know, like I almost felt embarrassed and I'm not I'm not the kind of guy that's like embarrassed to be a wrestling fan because I always knew there was a stigma to it growing up, even in the attitude era uh, when it was like the most popular. There was still a certain stigma attached to being a wrestling fan. But nowadays, you know, as an adult, you know, there's still that stigma attached. And now I'm just like, man, what, am I wasting my time watching this crap?
1: Oh, and we're that's definitely kind of wasting like our time, a,
2: Nick. <laughs> it's a crappy way to feel. But I, you know, it's like that's why we have the WWE network, man. I've been watching some old stuff. So it kind of that's, I, it's always a reminder to me personally why I still watch because mm-hmm. there's still some good like Survivor Series. I thought that was a really good pay per view. Uh, it didn't really mean much in the grand scheme of you know storylines, but uh, that's what a good pay per view can do that really doesn't have anything to do with storyline wise. Even and they Charlotte Ronda it, was right? kind of cool. Like they they really did. Yeah.
1: Ronda, which was not the plan. You had Daniel Bryan versus Brock, which wasn't the plan. Like there's, mm. they just stumbled into some good entertaining stuff. Like, I don't even think like, do you believe, and I've had this conversation with people. Do you think the red wave thing was Vince being like, eh, see what I can do? Remember that blue wave? Not on my watch, <laughs> not in my WWE red wave, <laughs> but red sweep. This, the thing was, if you really
2: wanted to do that, and I thought it was like the dumbest thing ever, but if you really wanted to just do that as a, you know, to laugh at your fans or let just make well, you yourself look to that way, libs,
1: you gotta do why, it. Why?
2: Yeah. Why have the New Day win then? Or you know, you know, like why have SmackDown win? Well, the pre-show.
1: Well, that was the thing that uh, there was a miscommunication based on the dirt sheets. Was that like they didn't? That wasn't the plan to do a red wave until like later. There was like a miscommunication where uh, somehow the quality control—unbelievable, right? In, the, in this <laughs> company, there was a quality <laughs> control issue, and someone didn't get the memo uh, early. I don't buy it. And uh, <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. Who could have ever foreseen that? Yeah, uh, a company that. <sighs> Okay. So the raw thing, and this is my theory on why, um, and RBR, one of my favorite podcasts, all those guys, shout out to them. They talked about this too. And I, I agree with this point is that this is what happens when you build a show around like two people for years and then they're gone. Mm-hmm. And everybody feels like a Mid Carter, Finn Balor, Baron Corbin, Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre, all these guys feel like Mid Carters. Raw has no stars. I mean, Seth Rollins is a star. Dean Ambrose is not anymore. I I like Dean Ambrose, but he's not. And Seth Rollins, super over. Fans love the Burn It Down stuff. I love Seth Rollins. But this is also why you should have pulled the trigger on him months ago as the champion. Like, fans love him. Why not give the fans what they want? You're not going to believe this, (laughs) Nick. But it's usually a good idea to give the fans what they want. Fans want to cheer Daniel Bryan. They want to watch him wrestle. Guess what? They're having him wrestle. They like AJ Styles. They gave him the belt. Nice. Good work on that. Great move. Fans like watching good wrestling and they like who they like and just do the right thing. And Seth Rollins should have been the champion months ago. And they wouldn't be in the predicament they're and we get better matches, better storylines, a babyface top dog that everybody likes and universally likes. Um, but obviously they couldn't have foreseen the Roman stuff and that's awful. And we wish him the best, all that stuff. However... When you book this program, like if it just been like a, a, just what happened to Drew McIntyre where he tears his triceps or something and is out for the year and then Braun Strowman still has his elbow thing. Like they're in the same predicament. It's that when you build this show around Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns for years, because that's what's been the case at least two years now, and they're gone, you're like, oh, this looks really bad because none of these people have been built up and been treated as Mm -hmm. top figures on the show outside of Ronda Rousey who... Somehow like I still enjoy her matches, obviously. She had a great match with Charlotte. Is getting worse on the mic. She's devolving on the mic, which yeah. isn't great. Um <laughs> but, Yeah, they they
2: yeah. it almost feels like they're making sure everything is scripted to a T and it's just making her seem more unnatural. You know, I thought she had some really good promos earlier this year, but
1: uh yeah. Well, she's it's, not a it's, promo. I'm not I'll never say good. she's she's good at like uh, when you see like when you listen to her talk to alexa bliss just the difference is staggering even stephanie yeah, yeah. we're like oh she's in over her head this isn't gonna work yeah. don't put her in that situation where she has to do that let her talk right. to nia Jax, who is just as bad on the mic so do that uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's fine but um yeah i just think yeah. that this is ultimately their issue is that you can't fix raw because you can't fix the presentation and the years of damage you've done to finn balor and Elias and Bobby Lashley. Now, I mean, obviously different timelines for each of these people, but ultimately the point stands that like no one sees any of these superstars as top guys. You've conditioned this fan base to only believe that Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns are the top on the show. Like, that's it. Like it revolves around them. And then Brock Lesnar, whenever he's there, like if when, when I would have Brock Lesnar there every week right now, Because without Braun Strowman and without Roman Reigns, you gotta have Brock there. Like I understand like the Uh contract stuff is complicated and everything else, but like I would have gone to Brock and been like Look, we're in hot water. Yeah, there's right absolutely
2: now. a way they could do that. Yeah, like, if they really wanted to. Whatever you want, man.
1: It. Like, however much money, like Vince should have written Brock a blank check and like revived yeah. the contract and been like, whatever it takes to get you here every week. Like, if we have to get, he isn't. He doesn't wrestle on Raw. Like your champion doesn't wrestle yeah. on your show. Like that's a huge problem that just never will be addressed. And he's gonna be the champion again for like six more months. So. Yeah. I don't know, man. Raw is just bad, and it's, it's not it's fixable. Like, and I hate feeling like that. I hate feeling that <laughs> you can't fix this.
2: Yeah, and it's. I feel like you have to almost book your wrestlers in a way that you think they're like they'll be hurt at some point and they'll miss some time. But yes, you know, like you said, like Braun and Roman were the two guys, and now they're out, and you have literally nothing to fall back on. Seth Rollins would probably be your next best bet, but then how are you going to get the title on him from Brock? Like, do you have Lesnar versus Rollins on a raw a random raw and then have Rollins win? Isn't sure. That'll make headlines. For WrestleMania for those two. That that's what I heard. And yeah. I, I, I'm idea. all in for that. Yeah, absolutely. Like I think, I thought that should have been the SummerSlam main event. If not, I thought Reigns would be beat Lesnar sooner. And then you have Reigns versus Rollins at SummerSlam. But yeah. clearly that never happened. Enough. But I thought that would be a great way to go. And it'd be a more interesting way to go than the well, way they actually in better went. Shape
1: right now, for sure.
2: Yeah. And like you said, Rollins is probably the, the top guy right now in the company, uh, at least on the Raw side. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I'd argue he's up there with AJ and Daniel Bryan and anyone on the SmackDown side. But uh, like, and I'm glad that. They're making the Intercontinental title, you know, they're kind of throwing that in there and making it seem important, but it's almost like Rollins is too good for it now. And if they really want to bring that prestige of the word they love using on on TV now, prestigious Intercontinental title, uh, let let other guys fight for it. You know, Rollins he's had they brought in Dolph Ziggler.
1: They wanted to give fans something (laughs) they hadn't seen recently. And there's nothing more prestigious than Dolph Ziggler versus Seth Rollins in twenty eighteen. Yes, yeah, class, epic, epic feud. Can't miss and, it.
2: Maybe it might get a slammy for feud of the year. Oh my god!
1: Okay, I actually missed the slammies. I, like I do
2: that. too. We. Isn't I miss weird? when the Slammies were before WrestleMania. I miss
1: that. It was great. I I remember that. Like I liked the Slammies. I don't know why I liked it. I think it was just more of like that goofy, weird stuff where it's like, yeah, you have to exactly. Explain it to people. You'd be like, Look, yeah. You just have like I grew up with this. I understand this yeah. is insane, but I enjoy this and I enjoy these professional wrestlers getting to be. Goofy for a night, like and just yeah. kind of be out of character and just have some fun. Like I, I don't know, always I'm not a, a fan of it.
2: Yeah, and I'm a, I'm more of a fan of like the '96, '97 Slammy Awards where they were, you know, in a, in a smaller arena with like you know they had a dining, a banquet room and you know that stage. You know, that's the Slammy Awards that I really enjoyed watching.
1: It just uh, doesn't take it too totally seriously. Ones, like they're right, the right ones that, for, that the are on wrestling Ball, hall I of fame don't. stuff is awful. Can't do it. Like just the pretend of just the mirage of just this being this amazing big time event. It's like Pete Rose is in this. Isn't Donald <laughs> Trump in the Hall of Fame? He is. Yeah. Like, no, don't care. Yes. Yeah, I'm yes. out. The Hall of Fame, no, I'm good. Um but yeah. I, guess I don't want to talk about Raw exactly anymore. I'm over it. I'm already <laughs> over it. I don't want to complain about Raw. They don't deserve it. I just think people should stop yeah. watching it. I think we should all make a collective choice to just move on from Monday Night Raw because you know what? You can enjoy SmackDown and pretend Raw doesn't exist. That would be great. Like you really don't. And also they're not, it's not like you're missing anything. They're just going to do a rerun in two weeks. Anyway, you're going to see Jinder Mahal versus um, Chris, uh, Chris. (laughs) Um, Mr. Hawkins, Kurt Hawkins, (laughs) at least four more times. They did the Ascension versus Bobby Roode and Chad Gable for a month. The ascension's not on TV anymore. Mission accomplished. There really brought them back. That Ooh. was great. The revival, just oh my god, what's happening yeah. there? Like I, whatever, I, I can't do this anymore. Raw sucks, and <laughs> Vince McMahon needs to give up creative control, and this needs to stop. And also, I I think as we're talking, this is the only thing that makes sense to me that would actually do anything is Raw. Clearly, like a good general manager, if he watched, if Raw was a sports team. A good general manager would watch that episode and be like, okay, we need to inject something. It's like watching, you're a Sixers mm-hmm. fan, watching the Sixers half-court late-game offense, where you're like, mm-hmm. they just don't have a closer, there's just something missing. There's talent here, but we need this missing piece who can hit step-back game winners twice in two weeks, like Jimmy Butler. We need somebody <laughs> like that. You have to go to NXT. Yeah. Like, you have to call somebody big up. Like, I, It's not the right time, all that kind of stuff, but like, you have to inject something whether it's undisputed era showing up it had ricochet mm. i don't even think ricochet is big enough i think undisputed era is probably their only option at this point to really jump start raw um i don't believe in vince building them the right way i'm wary of that but i think Ultimately, you should expect NXT Cops to fail once again. The main roster, like that's just part mm-hmm. of the deal. It's not the mm-hmm. same people booking them on right. NXT on the main show. It's just not. There's no continuity. There's no creative control. There's none of that. So it's just you're on your own. You'll get. I mean, Andrade and Almas, all the momentum in the world, mm-hmm. just down the drain. Just down the drain. Unbelievable talent revitalizes yep. career. Like it, it none of it matters. Um, but yeah, I think that's it. Am I crazy for thinking like? guess what? Lars Sullivan, not the answer. And that whole thing about them bidding, and that's why he's getting promos on yeah. those shows. Yeah. What an insane idea.
2: It's, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I don't really remember seeing something like that before, so at least yeah, it has that, but that's literally it. But not for him. Maybe you don't do a that reason. for him.
1: You do that for Ricochet. You do that for someone that, eh? like, the fans know, and are like, oh, you know what, that makes sense that Paige and, um, who even is the? Oh, and Baron Corbin would be yeah. feuding over getting the services <laughs> the general
2: of the manager service. elect.
1: Right, like it would make sense <laughs> for them to be like, no, 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 we get Ricochet. No, we get Ricochet. Right, and you have the video packages where you're like, yeah, this is like the um the Zion Williamson of NXT. Mm-hmm. Where you're like this dude's yeah. a freak of nature. He can do whatever he wants in the ring. Like we have to get this guy. Yeah. No one thinks it- that with Lars Sullivan. That's like being like, you know what we need? Hashim the Beat. That's what we need. We're gonna have two teams bid for Hashim to beat, and whatever draft that was with the Grizzlies when he went number two overall. But um, maybe if he
2: held the NXT title, it would have been a you know. No, he sucks.
1: (laughs) Like it doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) Lars Sullivan is god awful, and I just he's gonna be Snitsky in here. He's gonna be a a comedy jobber. It's awful. I hate it, and I already know where this is going. We've seen this story like no, we've read this story nineteen times. We've seen yeah. this movie, whatever metaphor you want to use. There, we know how this goes. It's not going to end well.
2: He's gonna, he's gonna take the title off Brock at Mania. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, what Don't even they do joke. That?
1: Don't even joke. He's gonna,
2: he's gonna win the Rumble.
1: Oh man, who do you think is going to win the Rumble this year?
2: Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I think it'll be Rollins because he hasn't had a Rumble win yet, and you that know, is kind of surprising. That's a good pick.
1: That yeah. makes sense. Especially I, that they're going to do Brock Rollins. Yeah,
2: I mean, and that's not the only reason I pick it. But you know, they ha- they had Orton win like what two or three years ago. Like mm-hmm. it's like he didn't even need it. But Ru- they like putting these accolades just so they could talk about him. But he's a good pick this, air, so. this
1: year. Funny enough, yeah. just because of the kind of fall he's exactly. had, and the heel turns been yeah, great. Exactly. Like it would be crazy for him to win it. I don't like no, him I, facing. I, see, I don't like him facing Daniel Bryan at Mania, but yeah.
2: Right, I could see you know Rollins and Ambrose still having the feud go to like February. Maybe oh. they have another match. Uh, Hard or pass. Maybe maybe it's done by the Rumble. Who knows? Maybe it's done by TLC
1: I, because it's over. The league yeah. is gone.
2: Yeah, I don't even. I'm not sure that's going to be the main event at TLC, which I you know I thought it would be up until this past week.
1: I mean, I think it has to be based on how they presented the feud on television, right? Like, yeah. It's been the I mean, biggest thing on Raw but for now, weeks. Yeah.
2: and you, But now you have that TLC triple threat match yeah. with the women's title on SmackDown, which I wasn't a huge fan of, you know, adding Asuka in there because I thought Charlotte Becky would be great on its own. But I'm not going to like... Be mad! I'm gonna, I was gonna say. I'm like, not gonna I'm not complain gonna go about Oscar getting into,
1: opportunities yeah. after the year she's had. Another great right, NXT exactly. call-up, by the way. Great plan there. Yeah. Mission accomplished.
2: <laughs> I thought they and Vaughn and I on the Straight Shooters we kind of we thought it was okay. It's like you know she was never really booked as a killer killer in NXT. She's had close matches. Ember Moon almost beat her a handful of times. Well, not a handful but you know like once or twice they have really close matches so it made sense that she wasn't killing everyone when she got called up but th- then you, you kind of started the push you know at the rumble she won the rumble and then it's like okay well this is where you know she'll beat Charlotte at Mania she'll go on her run and we'll see what happens and then that never happens and then it just kind of fell off the rails and now I absolutely buy into the, the fact that they misused her and mismanaged her main roster
1: run yeah not great. Not no. great. But I've not enjoyed her and uh, Naomi's work. They're they work. There's chemistry there. Mm-hmm. I like it. Mm-hmm. You know how like the iconics are not good? And uh, <laughs> Naomi and uh yeah, they are good. Yeah. Did you catch all the botches? <laughs> like I had in my notes for no, last no, week not. because I think who did Char didn't Charlotte face the Iconics like they- she beat um yeah. Billy K first and then like brought in Peyton Royce and beat her or they got disqualified later in the match or whatever but um a lot of botches a lot of yeah. botches from Billy Kay and uh, the Iconics they're not good it, it turns out I want yeah. them to be good they're compelling like i like them yeah. more in NXT but I don't know. Peyton Royce had the good Fatal 4 Way match for the title at a couple Yeah. Uh, was that Takeover th- Was that a Takeover this year or last year? I don't even remember now. Uh, they all blend together. I don't remember. Um, yeah,
2: I'm thinking uh, they more so belong on Raw. How about That, that would make sense <laughs> they actually. They just they just, yeah, they just yeah. fit on Raw.
1: <laughs> I mean, now that we know that SmackDown wants Rousey, and they want to make it more of an yeah. athlete focused show. Mhm. I mean, I think that's a good idea. I think that's something that's going to really benefit this company is that like the more we can make SmackDown and Raw feel different, the yeah. better things will be. So if that's the uh-huh. focus and comedy is like like Vince McMahon gets to do whatever he wants on Raw and Fox is like, no, 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 you don't get to do right. your comedy. You don't get to do your Drake <laughs> Maverick stuff. Like We want to present this on um, Speak for Yourself when we have an ad run for SmackDown. We don't want Drake Maverick's face popping up or, uh, Leo Rush yelling about Lashley, Lashley. (laughs) They don't like, that's just not what they want to do. So it's a smart business move on their part to move away from that. But I I hope that's what happens. Yeah.
2: I've I've read those reports and I'm really hoping that, you know, that's legit. And it it goes that way because I'm just ready for a change. You know, like I loved the first brand extension SmackDown and raw did feel different, uh, to a certain extent, uh, and, and they had that rivalry almost. They would always have on commentary at least. They would always like throw shots at each other. You know that's not the case during this brand extension. But uh, you know it's almost like a friendly rivalry now. But once SmackDown moves to, you know, Fox, I I think that change will be the change. So if it's a little less than a year now, uh man, I, I just hope they don't throw this. Year away, and maybe they're not just waiting to move to Fox. And they well, got no, to start with the other night
1: because when they, when Vince feels like he doesn't have to care about a product and he's not like, yeah. Oh, we're losing him to Fox anyway, that's good right. news for the SmackDown writing team. Road Dog, Ryan Ward, really well, yeah, excited. True. He, he doesn't care as much anymore. Maybe he does. I don't <laughs> know. But like, that's a good thing if Vince and the higher ups are like, Oh, it's a show moving away from the network within a year. Who cares? Like, that's yeah, good I would news. love
2: you brought up rousey on smackdown that's something i didn't even really think about until now uh that's a great that's a great call if you know she stays with the company through then i've seen those saw that video where she was getting a little upset about you know being on the road as much and who knows if she's going to continue doing that and you know when smackdown moves to fox that's like we said almost a year away will she still be you know, in that mindset that she wants to be a WWE superstar, but Rousey on Fox as that fingerhead of SmackDown would be awesome.
1: Yeah. I, I think that's what uh, they're probably gonna do. It makes sense. And you move Becky to Raw, which I'm terrified of, but um Yeah, I mean, that's
2: right now, she's on the roll of a lifetime. She's making mm-hmm. the most of it. I'm hoping that this now this is what I think Vince means by someone like grabbing the brass ring. You know, she's not it doesn't seem like, and and maybe they're giving her that creative freedom, saying do whatever you want, because that's what it feels like. Um, But it almost feels like when someone's being given like a push, they don't go the extra mile. And Becky's gone like the extra hundred miles, and it really comes across that way. And I think that's why people are just latching onto her so much, and in, in her latest run. That's why I've become like a reinvigorated Becky fan, because you know there there so many times on TV, just yeah, as a you know, a baby face where it's just like a match, and then she looks stupid, getting beat, and then nothing happens. This is the Becky Lynch we all wanted to see, you know, on the main roster. And, man, I, I don't think any woman's wrestler has been as hot as she has in the last couple of years. I mean, not even Charlotte, you know? Oscar, maybe, but no. like...
1: No, 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 Charlotte <laughs> is not, no. Look, I like Charlotte the wrestler. She's a better heel than she has baby yeah. face, but like... No. Yeah, nothing like we see from H, Becky recently. Like that is who she is. Like she is she may have flair in her name, but she is Triple H 2.0. Like that yes. is the plan. She's going to have like 16 title reigns within her first 5 years in the company. But um No, Becky, I guess the closest parallel is Samoa Joe to me, but like Samoa Joe and when you talk about like this is what Vince McMahon meant when he said to grab the brass ring, that Becky is mm-hmm. doing that exact thing. Yeah. Samoa Joe's had the same kind of promos where, like, even this week on SmackDown, the Jeff Hardy lines. Yeah, yeah. He's incredible. Like, you give him a yeah. mic, and he'll deliver. You give him an opportunity in the ring, he'll deliver. Those matches against AJ were good. He's done everything he's supposed to do. Like, outside of main eventing a pay-per-view against Roman Reigns to a very heatless environment and a match that nobody wanted to see. Um <laughs> He's someone that should have gotten that Becky Lynch opportunity. And now for him to see Daniel Bryan turn heel and take the title from AJ the way he did. And now, like, I imagine if I'm Samoa Joe, I'm extremely pissed off about how this year has gone for me. Because it felt like this was his chance to break through in this company. Was his summer of AJ and um, his pay-per-view match against Roman Reigns. Like, he had an opportunity to feud with two of the biggest stars in the company. Roman Reigns and Eric Styles in the same year and he has nothing to show for it he's losing matches clean he's about to fall off the map and he's getting tapped out like it's um it's not good and i feel bad for him because it does feel like a missed opportunity with him because i think he could have had a becky like reign. because people like him people like his intensity on the mic his charisma has always been there and you know it can work um and samoa joe just kind of A victim of circumstance that he can't control because he grabbed the brass ring. Every time, no matter what the material was, he made it sound good. He made everything seem personal. He made everything feel real. Like, Samoa Joe did everything that you would ever want out of a wrestler. Kind of felt like Kevin Owens, too. When they hit that wall where it's like, what else are they supposed to do? They can't. You're not going to believe this. They don't get to pick when they win. So... (laughs) What do you do? Like, what do you do if you're Kevin Owens? You're like, what else am I supposed to do? And by the way, mm. really miss my guy, Kevin Owens, my favorite professional wrestler. Yeah, yeah. And um, really miss him. But uh, get well soon, Kevin. And I just, I wonder with these guys, when you're talking about like, this is what they should be doing and all that kind of stuff, and it feels real and all that stuff. I, I don't know how, as a human, you if you're another wrestler and you see what Samoa Joe did this year and you're like, and he still didn't get the opportunity. Like, he still didn't get the chance to run with it. Kevin Owens has done it multiple times, and he's never been treated like the guy. Like, it just feels like there's an artificial ceiling for so many of these people, and they have to kind of block that out and have tunnel vision where it's like, well, you know, maybe, maybe if uh-huh. this one thing happens, and Vince might wake up one day and change his mind, because he does that, where he's like, oh, uh-huh. you know what, Daniel, you can turn heel. Whatever. Sure, <laughs> let's do this. <laughs> um, I don't know. I It's a very interesting conversation to be had but um yeah i just feel for it so yeah joe could have had a becky yeah, Lynch you, run
2: <laughs> you think uh when he was on raw and what he did is like okay it's clearly not going to happen here They move to smackdown and you're like okay well he'll eventually be champion but now you know like it even if he does eventually win the WWE title it's just i don't think it's going to feel as as important yeah and uh, even as a career milestone for him as it would have been if he had done if, I, if he had beaten beaten Styles, mm-hmm. uh, and even on Raw if he had beaten you know Reigns or Strowe, uh, not Strowman, uh, Lesnar, uh, which I, I never thought would happen, but uh, it's just if he hasn't done it on SmackDown now, like a feud with Jeff Hardy isn't really going to move the no. needle for me. Well, hold on, I mean, Shinsuke
1: the... Nakamura, he's in an unbelievable place after his feud with Jeff Hardy, right? Everything's <laughs> amazing for Shinsuke.
2: He's he's still on the roster.
1: Uh, I. I can check, but I feel like he might be. But do you remember? He's another guy. He had his yeah. moments. He lost to Jinder Mahal. He lost to AJ, and that's it. Like, he did great heel yeah. work against AJ. Like, he was fantastic outside of some more bad That was more the gender stuff that was atrocious that people have already forgotten. Mm-hmm. But um, the AJ stuff, he was great there, too. And they didn't pull the trigger. And then they pulled it on Daniel Bryan. And that's just the way it works. Not everybody gets this. Like, there's just so much talent that there's just not mm-hmm. room for everybody to... To get their moment, and Becky thankfully got hers. They made the right move. Mm-hmm. Becky's incredible, and I, she's just musty TV. And it's a nice, it's a nice palate cleanser for Monday Night Raw to yeah, yeah. go to a show that has somebody like Becky Lynch. You're like, oh, this is awesome. And yeah, uh, yeah, I just Smojo pour one out for our guy because it's over. <laughs> I would ask for my release right now if I was Smojo because it's not getting better, Oh man, Shinsuke, I, uh... back to New Japan, bro. It's over. <laughs>
2: I remember I met Samojo at a convention back in 2011. He was still a TNA, and there were rumors uh, flying. I don't think at that point he had signed a new TNA deal. Uh, so I don't remember how much time he had on his contract, but uh, I didn't want to be like that guy. And I'm sure he met plenty of people that day that asked him about going to WWE or something because uh, they were just kind of done with him in TNA. He wasn't doing anything in TNA anymore. And I'd asked him, I was like, so uh are you going back to TNA or something like that? I don't know if he was on a sabbatical or what. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of smirks, you know, like he he didn't really respond. I'm like, oh, man, why did I say anything? Yeah. <laughs> and we took, a, you know, a picture. I, I think I posted it, uh, made a cheesy ass smile. But, mm. uh, you hey, know, he, he was fans. cool. That's what we do. Yeah. Yeah. I met Bob Backlund that day. Yeah. Okay. And George, the animal Steel, Rest in peace. So it was a good day for me. Right. And Mickey James, too. So, huh. But, yeah, it's, it's a mojo, man. It's kind of sad.
1: Yeah, I just, it's over. Like, uh, I I don't want it to be over, but you get one shot, and it's just there's so much talent coming up behind him. It's just he's never going to have a year like that where he has those kind of big-time feuds. But, yeah, I mean, it could be worse. I guess he they could can always push the reset. Right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh...
2: <sighs> it, it's depressing.
1: Which is... <sighs> It's hard for me to complain that much about that because SmackDown is still good. So, like, at least the show is still entertaining. Um, mm-hmm. It flies by every week. I yeah. still like it. It's just individually, if you look at just where certain wrestlers are on this roster, you're like, I don't know where you where you could go from here. I don't see a path to you having the year you had this year ever again. Right? He's on the older side. He's one of the older ones. He's not yeah. old enough to be NXT champion again yet. I believe you have to be 45. Uh, <laughs> to that point, so he's still got a couple more years, um, but yeah, I, I don't know, because I mean, just look at the town in NXT right now. You have NXT UK now, and they sign Walter yeah. and all these guys. Yep. And they're all going to pop in from time to time. It's just, it's really hard to even get in the position Samoa Joe got in because there just aren't that many spots. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Just <sighs> Samoa Joe. We like you on this podcast. Smojo Joe is chase Thomas podcast approved I think we can get there
2: <laughs> yes we can um, maybe it'll go back to impact at some point hey impacts
1: good again kind of
2: I yeah I mean it's it's still a little uh, I I try to get into it but there's still things they need to work on uh, but I think the the product as a whole is a not 180 degrees better yet, but it's it's, it's above 100 Raw. degrees better. <laughs>
1: like if yeah. Raw felt like Impact, huge win. WWE yeah. is in great shape if Raw yeah. feels like Impact Wrestling. SmackDown's the same, and NXT still exists. Yeah. Like I have no clue. Well,
2: I have no clue why Pop moved Impact back to 10 to 12. That's not great. A, a bad time slot, but I really hope uh, Impact gets another TV deal yeah. uh, or just back you to know, Spike, continue. <laughs> <Keep> <laughs> nah, I would love alive. that. Or I would love something like that. Just keep it on cable or hell, just upload the episodes to YouTube so we can keep watching this somehow. USA network, how they would do it.
1: Move them to Tuesdays. Uh, They can replace. uh, Oh
2: man. Imagine, imagine WWE uh, and their reaction to that. I would love they would, they would take raw off the USA. Imagine that. it's either us or impact the USA. All right, well then impact. (laughs)
1: <laughs> right. Who could resist oh, investing of in Johnny Impact? That would be no. great.
2: That would be great. But yes, that's been a much better show uh, for almost a year now. I, I remember yeah. getting back into it uh, earlier this year and uh, it's just, it, it's not n- nearly as confusing and ridiculous as it was before and Storylines make sense, you know. It's, it's an easy program to follow, which I think has really been the major improvement, not just the talent.
1: Which is what you want. It feels like yeah. you have a blast from the past in some ways, but it's a talented yeah. roster. Yeah, I get that. It's guys yeah. you can invest in. They have a good tag division. Um, a lot mm-hmm. of guys I've always liked there. Um, I don't know it's just it's good um, I wish my guy Austin Aries was still there but uh, mm. yeah that's a story for another day um, last mm. thing and then we'll go I, I was thinking about this this week when you saw that John Cena was wrapping up his stuff he just won the Muhammad Ali or is going to win the Muhammad Ali Um, yeah, I saw that, yeah. um you know it's funny that he's wrapping up now because if there was ever a time to bring John Cena back to the company and just inject him into the main mm-hmm. focus it's right now would you do that if you were running the company? If you're Vince, do you just go? Raw is a dumpster fire. Let's just let's just do Brock Cena at TLC or the Rumble. Let's do <laughs> it again. Let's bring this let's back. Do that. John Cena Brock comes Cena, back to stain yeah. uh, like to to save Raw. Like, what if that's the play? Is just bring him back. Like, hey, John, we know you love this company. Raw's in dire straits. We need to bring you back, and you're gonna win the title from Brock. And you're gonna re- keep it until Mania. Would you really think that's oh, worse man. than whatever they're doing right now? I'm here for it. Uh,
2: it, it, it wouldn't. It definitely wouldn't be worse. But uh, you know that that would be interesting if if they did that. And then I guess what you would do, Cena Rollins, yeah, maybe at Mania. Uh, I could I could get into that because Cena is he's. I think my opinion of him, and you know, it, it's. It could have been before 2015, but his feud with Kevin Owens completely changed my perception of him as a wrestler in the ring. You know, it really showed what he can do inside the ring. I know he was limited because the WWE style was trying to make everyone safer. So not every wrestler was able to utilize, you know, their skills. And I thought that whole feud with Kevin Owens showed us what John Cena could do. I know he's older now. Uh, can, Can he still perform like that? in the ring with a guy like Seth Rollins, I, I think he can. I would love to see a Rollins-Cena match uh, main event mania. Uh,
1: I would just love it, the idea uh, uh, of it from a storyline perspective. I think this would be entertaining of John Cena comes back, his music hits, he opens an episode of Raw, he's back, fans are happy to see him, that kind of stuff. And he's like, yeah. um, I've had a rough couple of years, but you know, I, I've lost a lot, but you know what? I'm here to save Raw are your champions not here? <laughs> like what if that was his thing was like Roman's gone because they're talking about Roman. They're using that for with mm-hmm, Seth. They are going to yeah. use that. What if that's what he said? Like what if that's how he came back? He's like Roman's gone, the top dog is away. I'm stepping up because I love this company blah 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 blah. And that's the feud. Is Brock Lesnar mm-hmm. doesn't care. He has the title. He's away. And John Cena is replacing Roman Reigns and is like I'm here to save Monday Night Raw. John Cena Here to save the business. I'm actually here. You know how Kane (laughs) needed to put the mask back on to save the business? No. That's the new one. John Cena's back to save the business. I think that's what we do. I've booked it. Done deal. Vince, I know you're listening. Go ahead and book that in. Fans want it. We all want it. John Cena, Raw Universal Champion for the next six months. Let's do it.
2: Shut up and take my money. I'll pay 100 bucks for the WWE Network. That'd be a great
1: promo. I'm here for it. Like I can script the whole thing. Nick, you can help me. We're both writers. We can do this. The John Cena return, Uh, I'm here to save Monday Night Raw. I'm in. Yeah, I think that's a good way of ending things. Positive. We ended it on a positive note. Just like John Cena in every interview. Very positive. All the time. Very happy. (laughs) With his very weird haircut. Uh,
2: Hustle, loyalty, respect, man.
1: Exactly. Words to live by on this podcast. Love it. Nick, I appreciate you taking the time, sir. It was great catching up. Uh we can find yes. you on Twitter at Nick Picone. We can read John Philly, influential.com. We can listen to you on the straight shooters radio podcast with our good friend Von Johnson. Um anything else you like to plug before yeah. we get out of here? Oh
2: man, I appreciate uh coming on. It's been always a good time talking wrestling with you. And uh I'm looking forward to TLC. I think that's gonna be a really good uh Pay per view and uh I think maybe the T V leading up to it won't be great, but Is there uh, any way to stairs
1: match or no? What was it what was the big show match that he had a couple years ago where it was the like uh, stairs. Stairs match. Stairs, yeah. Yeah, that's what we need. Drake Maverick versus Big Show in a stairs match. Uh yeah, I'll 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 not watch that. <laughs> Glad to have Big Show back. No, just put him on yeah. commentary where he belongs. Corey Graves. He's a baby face again. Oh, my God. I just They know what they're doing at this point with the, <laughs> the turns. They know. Yeah. Um, no, just put him on commentary. He was good. just he, He's already shown interest. Yeah. Corey Graves is not going to be doing both shows anymore, even though he's better on SmackDown than he is on Raw. Just mm-hmm. put him on Raw full time. Give Big Show the commentary role and move on. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. Here? Big Show, you're back. Just go to commentary. You can do it.
2: Big Show and Daniel Cormier on SmackDown.
1: Oh, you know that's happening. I didn't even, <laughs> even thought about that because not even Cormier, but like who was the other one, the other commentator from UFC that they always wanted? They never got uh, Mike Olberg. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: It's going to be a UFC guy. I forgot. When they moved to Fox, yeah. that's what they're going to do. Sorry, Byron. Uh, Corey Graves would be happy, but yeah, I don't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're going to get a UFC guy. I didn't even think about that.
2: Yeah. That'd be interesting.
1: Oh, my God. So much to talk about. We could talk about wrestling all day. Nick, yeah. thank you. Talk to you soon, buddy. All right, man. Thanks. And that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. Uh, I just want to remind you guys, if you like today's episode and you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, I would really appreciate it if you could take a second leave lead the show a five-star rating and a review. If uh, you're not an Apple Podcast listener, remember you can find the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, be sure to check out chasethomaspodcast.com where you can access all of my previous episodes and also find all my writing. I'm writing there fairly often. And also follow me on Twitter at thomas and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash writer. Uh, thank you for your support, and we'll be back with another episode very soon. Thanks, guys.